is rock and roll. Tonight's Strange Tales of Modern Music is all about hitting and kicking, pounding on a head till it begs for mercy. Yeah, that's right, it's all about the drum kit. Humans have been banging on various animal skins, bits of wood, and pieces of metal for thousands of years, so there's no surprise that we find our 21st century selves still in love with the sounds of the drum family, their close relatives, and distant cousins. Everybody seems to love a good beat, up front and loud or kicked back and keeping time. We'll be happy to stand up and cheer for some creative bashing and crashing from the drum kit. We'll even dance to the pulse of a machine-made rhythm, if it's programmed right. Well, this idea all came about because I visited a museum and saw some video and heard some audio recordings of some jazz and rock veterans chatting about the way it is and the way it was. So I took some time to develop this quick sketch, this audio timeline of how the modern drum sound came to be. And here it is. In ancient times, tribal humans moved to the beat of drums in the context of rituals, which I'll define as having a purpose other than finding a great dance partner. In Africa, it was the talking drum. In Ireland, the boron or baron. India had the tabla, and in North America, it's the tribal tom-tom that's name has come forward into the jazz and rock era. Now, the cymbal had to wait until Bronze Age technology allowed its manufacture. Cymbals, bells, and gongs had at least as many uses as drums and could call the faithful to prayer, could attract the attention of passing citizens to beggars on the city streets of Assyria, or announce the arrival of military forces in China around the time of Confucius. And we can hear all kinds of other cymbals, bells, and similar noisemakers singing together in the music of Bali, and here's uh, the Balinese monkey dance as an example. In his The Symbol Book, Hugo Pinksterbohr mentions that the Chinese use the same word for both symbol and war. You want some more etymology? Symbol maker Zildjian originated in the Middle East, where its name in Armenian means symbolsmith. Fast-forwarding to the 19th century, carnival and circus musicians typically focused on the bass drum. Big enough to be the center of attention visually and sonically, the bass drum was initially whacked by hand with a wooden striker with one end covered in felt to soften the sound. Boom, boom. In the late 1800s, ragtime became popular. Its more complex rhythms, the style of the music was named for Ragged Time, would lead up to the jazz age of the 20th century. This was a time of culture shock for modern music. Pioneered by Scott Joplin, the music introduced rhythms that did not follow the regular beat structure of music that came before. One turn-of-the-century physician even wrote an article speculating that ragtime syncopated melodies might be bad for the health of listeners, possibly causing heart palpitations. Switch the scene to New Orleans at the turn of the century. Street musicians played on corners for spare change. Well, a piano wouldn't quite work, but the traditional ragtime banjo was there, along with horns and a bass drum, often played from a standing position this time, with the beater attached to the drummer's shoe. 
Vaudeville bands begun in the 1800s to provide music for live stage acts evolved to feature several percussion instruments grouped close together to allow a single musician to play multiple instruments. In the early 20th century, Tony Spavaro coined the term drum trap to describe such an arrangement. The thought is that the instruments gathered so close together and often fastened to the big bass drum formed a sort of contraption, get it? Instead of the shoe trick, a wooden foot pedal replaced the handheld striker to facilitate effective bass drum banging and also to free the drummer's hand so he could play other instruments like cymbals and woodblocks. Ragtime evolved into early jazz, sporting syncopated rhythms, improvisation, and an expanded musical palette. Dixieland bands formed, adopting the instrumentation that had been heard on street corners and in circus and vaudeville bands. The drummers in these groups played an important role, propelling the band and keeping time. Trouble was, jazz syncopation was difficult to perform on a bass drum. The wooden foot pedal was just too slow to keep the beat. And then a very interesting twist happened. An industrious German-born American immigrant named William Ludwig developed a steel foot pedal that improved upon the old wooden versions, letting the bass drum keep up with the rest of the band. And thank you, Ellis Island, for bringing him in. As the 20th century continued, great drummers pushed technique and technology forward. The odd collection of bangable instruments came together to form the drum kit with the player seated and free to use as many of his limbs as he could manage. Zudi, Singleton, and Kaiser Marshall were among the first star drummers of the 20s. Woodblocks and bells, so popular in the teens, began fading into the background as cymbals became an essential part of the kit. The drum solo was pioneered by Chick Webb. Yeah, I know, for good or for evil, depending on your point of view. He was the leader of his own band in Harlem, so nobody could say no. Some have speculated that Chick's brush with death as a child with tuberculosis gave him a fearless attitude reflected in his flamboyant technique. Studio recordings of the day failed to capture all the energy of the music because of limitations in recording technology. Star drummer Gene Krupa was probably the first to record with a full drum kit. He was able to convince engineers to let him include the bass drum, which typically drove early microphones into distortion. Gene was also an early proponent of the drum solo, yes, our good friend. A famous example can be heard in Benny Goodman's version of Sing Sing Sing. Buddy Rich was another great technical drummer. Raised in the vaudeville era, he became famous for rapid-fire playing and time signature switch-ups. Here's a sample, taken from a 1950s broadcast of the Jerry Lewis television show. In the 1940s, the ride cymbal began to overtake the kick drum as the beat keeper of the drum kit. 
The bass drum was solid, but still kind of slow, its foot pedal once again falling behind the beat as jazz advanced. The cymbal had been a jazz staple since the 20s, but it was only used to spice things up, accents, endings of songs, things like that. It was drummer Kenny Clark who made the ride cymbal the beat keeper, freeing the drummer to use the rest of his kit. Some experts say he was the guy who gave the instrument its name by riding the cymbal along with the beat. In the mid-50s, it was the dawn of rock and roll, and the drums returned to their simpler roots for a while. American rock sprang from R&B music, which did not have the elaborate percussion of jazz. It was very much a KISS concept, and I don't mean the band with the cat makeup. I mean, keep it simple, stupid. We'll cover the evolution of rock drumming in the next segment of Strange Tales of Modern Music. Produced by Pat Barr for electrical-radio.com. So, 